Hello, my name is Greg Ashbaugh, and today's podcast is the first of three episodes detailing how BioT's method of hormone optimization may benefit your patients and grow your practice. Today, I'm interviewing Dr. Deanne Strobel, a board-certified gynecologist and a fellow of the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. We're going to talk about the risks and benefits of bioidentical hormone replacement therapy and hormone optimization. In our forthcoming podcasts, we'll elaborate on the clinical evidence behind bioidentical hormone replacement and then expand more on why BioT is the ideal partner for your practice. Welcome, Dr. Strobel. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. So first question. While the title of today's podcast is The Science Behind Bioidentical Hormone Replacement, you mentioned when we talked offline that an alternative title could easily have been The Skeptical Doctor's Guide to Bioidentical Hormone Replacement Therapy. What did you mean by that? Well, what I mean is that most doctors by nature are skeptical of anything that's really not familiar to them or it's not considered standard of care. And bioidentical hormone replacement therapy right now is is a really controversial topic. And so many doctors are going to be afraid to delve deeper into that world because of things they've heard from um, their colleagues or maybe something they heard on the news or read in a journal. So I think most of us by nature are just skeptical. And so we need to, until we learn more. Well, regarding the current standard of care for um, hormone replacement therapy, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, the um, Endocrine Society and others, they've given very clear and distinct guidelines regarding when hormone replacement therapy is and isn't appropriate. Uh, These organizations are, of course, highly respected and important advocates for patient safety. Is it possible they got this topic wrong in some way? Well, uh, I do think there's a lot of room for improvement in their established guidelines, but they seem to be really coming around in the last few years, even though it's a little slower than what many of us who who use bioidentical hormones regularly would like. But most of the guidelines or the position statements that many of them call uh, their their guidelines, they were those were established or dramatically altered or changed right after the publication of the Women's Health Initiative, which is called the WHI study. And, mm-hmm. and that was back in 2002. And so at that time, almost all of the societies came out with a position statement that basically said something like this. And I, this is not exact, but something like hormones should be used the lowest dose for the least amount of time as possible. And that was just a way of them just saying don't use hormones but what's what's good is that finally in some of the more recent years especially after other hormonal studies have been published many of the position statements have been softened they're still not where we would like to have them but they're they have been softened a lot more so one of the one of the position statements that's more common is the NAMS or what's called North American Menopause Society and their position statement I think I think it was in 2017 it, it now say, says, okay, the risk of hormone therapy is different depending on what type and dose and route of administration is used and whether or not a progestin or progestogen, which is synthetic progesterone-like components, are used. And then they say, they went on to say, well, you just need to 
individualized therapy, which is what we've been saying for many years. I said, okay, you just need to individualize the type of hormone you use, the dose, the formulation, the route of administration, etc. So they're coming around, which is good. I know you're very passionate about the benefits of bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, known as BHRT. But before we discuss those, I feel compelled to ask you about the most commonly assumed risks. Is that okay with you? Sure, of course. So what are those most commonly assumed risks, the ones that people are warning about or worried about? Well, I think the biggest one that most patients worry about at least in women, and and a lot of doctors too, is breast cancer. So a lot of people after the WHI came out in 2002 equate hormones to an increased risk of breast cancer. And that's just not true. And there's been a lot of studies over the last several decades that have, have shown that. But the term BHRT is is very generic term. So a lot of people think that just means estrogen. But the fact is, in women, there's actually three main hormones. There's an estrogen, which uh, physicians, practitioners know as estradiol. There's progesterone, which is not the same as progestogen or progestin. And then there's testosterone. And so each of these hormones have to be discussed completely separately because there's so much confusion about the types of those hormones that are available and then hormone replacement in general. So, and then the other difficulty that a lot of doctors have is that a lot of the studies and articles that are related to hormone replacement, they don't make a distinction between the various hormones. So they'll just say something generic like progesterone uh, causes problems. Well, if you look in the article itself, the article's not about progesterone, but about a synthetic progestin. So it makes researching hormones quite difficult and you have to read between the lines. So, um, you know, progesterone is an, ex- an excellent example because progestins, which are the synthetic forms, are actually do increase the risk of certain cancers like breast cancer and they increase the risk of blood clots and strokes. But progestins, which are synthetic, are not used in bioidentical hormones because in bioidentical hormone replacement, we advocate the use when when it's needed of bioidentical progesterone, which absolutely does not increase the risk of breast cancer, nor stroke, heart attack, and those kind of things. So I, I think a lot of the confusion is that everyone lumps hormones in just to one big group and doesn't separate the type and how it's given. And there was a, there was a really, really good book that came out this year because... Um, uh, it, it addressed a lot of those concerns, especially with regard to cancer and breast cancer. It was a, it was a book that was written by an oncologist, and it was uh, co-authored by um, a PhD psychologist. And the, the authors' names were Dr. Blooming and Dr. Tavris. And Dr. Blooming is an oncologist, so a cancer doctor, and he himself was very anti-hormones. And then I think his wife was in her, I think he tells the story of his wife being in her 40s. And unfortunately, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And both, of course, her life was dramatically changed, but his, at being the spouse, was also dramatically changed. And he had to live through it with her. And she ended up doing well, but she was miserable in menopause because all of her doctors told her she couldn't be on hormones. So he just took it upon himself to start 
reading the studies and looking into estrogen and he realized, hey, estrogen's not a bad hormone. I don't really see any evidence that shows estrogen increases cancer risk. So his, you know, outlook on hormones completely changed. And so he and this uh, and Dr. Tavris wrote this book called Estrogen Matters. And it's a it's a really good book. And, and he, they're trying to dis- discuss the studies, discuss the downfalls of, of some of the bad publicity that hormones have gotten over the years. And he's trying to kind of set the record straight on hormones. So I think that's a really good book for a lot of doctors who are fearful about uh, estrogen to, to read. That has a lot to do with breast cancer. When, what does the evidence say about an increased danger of heart attacks, strokes, blood clots? Because I know that's part of the uh, spectrum of concern as well. Exactly. And the confusion with that uh, often comes from estrogen. But there's been several studies in recent years that compares the different types of estrogen and the different delivery systems. So delivery system means just how it's getting into the body. So whether that's by a tablet or a pill, by a lozenge, by a trochee, by a patch, gels, creams, vaginal inserts or subcutaneous pellets. So it compares you know, different forms of deliver, different delivery methods to risk. And really, the only form that increases the risk of blood clots and strokes and things like that is the oral form of estrogen, which is interesting because a lot of doctors don't realize that that data has been out for more than 10 or 15 years now that the other forms don't cause that increased risk. And then I mentioned earlier synthetic progestins. Synthetic progestins also increase the risk of um, dementia, confusion, depression, mood swings, and blood clots. And so, you know, that's another reason why synthetic progestins are not used in bioidentical hormone therapy. But, but the natural form, the bioidentical form of progesterone does not have any of those risks at all. It sounds as though... There might be a concern that there is evidence of these concerns that they have, but really it's a lack of awareness of the evidence that does exist. Is that would that be fair to say? I, I think that's true, and I and I think um, that there's a there is so much evidence in the literature about the benefits, and there's so many benefits, but the people concentrate on the risk, which are really not the risk of bioidentical hormones per se, but rather the synthetic form. So they just get the two types confused. Well, so what does the evidence say about the benefits of BHRT for menopausal women? And then what about for premenopausal women? Well, there is significant evidence about benefits. So some of the benefits are going to be improvement in just general well-being, things like sleep and just energy level, fatigue, moods, improvement in depression or, or anxiety. So because there's a lot of women when their hormones change, they start having problems like that. Um, improvements in subtle things like uh, uh, many women when their hormones start to decline will have worsening headaches or joint pain. So a lot of quality of life issues and things like uh, genitourinary atrophy. So a lot of women have severe dryness or even ex- exquisite pain when they're having trying to be intimate and so that really can affect the marriage and you know things like recurrent bladder infections and recurrent or difficult to treat yeast infections things like that and one of the huge things is a skin condition in the 
in the genital area called lichen sclerosis. And when hormones are optimized properly, a lot of those people have huge benefits. And then long-term disease prevention, like prevention and even treatment of osteoporosis, prevention of dementia, prevention of premature cardiovascular disease also, because, you know, cardiovascular disease is the number one killer of women, but everybody thinks of breast cancer. Really, cardiovascular disease is what we need to worry about. And women that undergo premature menopause, either naturally or surgically, are at huge risk for early heart disease. And so, I mean, just huge amounts of benefits. So in, for premenopausal women, at what point would okay, um, yeah. you consider, you know, putting people on bioidentical hormone replacement therapy? How far in advance of menopause? What, what's the guideline there? Well, there's not really a guideline, and that's the problem because a lot of these women are, they're just overlooked. They get told, oh, well, that's not your hormones. You're not having hormone problems because you're so young. So, and, and then a lot of times the patients don't even realize that they're, they're having hormone issues. They'll just have vague symptoms and problems. They'll go to many, many doctors and try to get blood levels tested. And some of the most common things very early on are weight gain or trouble losing weight, even if they're exercising or dieting and fatigue. And so most women and doctors don't realize that the main hormone produced in a woman's body throughout her whole life is testosterone, just like it is in men. Of course, it's a lot less, but they still, we as women produce much more testosterone than we do other sex hormones. But the problem is women started to have, a, we start to have a decline in our hormones, our, our testosterone production in the late or late 20s, early 30s. And by the time a woman's 40, usually most women only are producing about half of the testosterone that they used to produce. And so they don't have the dramatic, they're not, they haven't had the estrogen decline yet. So they don't get those hot flashes per se. And they're, the usual test that most doctors do for early menopause will not show a decline in testosterone. But, but the symptoms these ladies will have besides weight gain and fatigue they'll start having trouble sleeping and they said well i used to sleep through the night but now i wake up really early and i'm not depressed i don't know what's wrong with me i can't concentrate at work maybe trouble focusing or trouble with memory i've had patients who say they think they're going to have to quit their job because they cannot function at the level they need where they need to function Um, another another common symptom of women in this age group premenopausal is a new onset anxiety for new, no reason at all. So they'll say, I, I don't have a reason to feel anxious. And suddenly they're either having anxiety or panic attacks. And then obviously one symptom that is associated with, with low testosterone is, is a low libido or low sex drive. And people think that's the only reason women get on testosterone, but it, but it's not. It's all of these other vague symptoms. And so the good thing is that once doctors and, and patients understand those symptoms and that it can be easily treated, then we can really help with resolving their, their problems. So I understand, of course, you're a gynecologist, but I'm led to believe that men are actually going to OBGYNs for this same kind of purpose because women are uh, seeing results from this kind of therapy. So what evidence is there for the benefits for men and how does that, how does that apply to gynecologists? 
It's true. I mean, men men are notorious for not going to physicians, right? Right. <laughs> I mean, they don't they don't go to a doctor unless they've got something really bad or their wife drags them. I mean, that's just how it is. And so, since women a lot of times have a, a gynecologist or some other physician that they normally see, a lot of times the women realize that similar things can happen in men, and a lot of times they will have the their husband or their partner checked out and that's what happened in my practice I mean I've been in practice 20 years and 20 years ago I had zero men but bit by bit men started wanting their hormones evaluated and gynecologists have seen men for years for uh, partner consultations regarding infertility or unfortunately sometimes infections that occur things like that so it you know the infertility issue or just the partnership sexuality a lot of times leads to a man seeking care in somewhere where he might not otherwise try to find out what's going on but you know, a lot of men, they don't think they have a testosterone deficiency or problem unless they have sexual problems. And so what most men don't realize is that early symptoms of testosterone insufficiency in men are more likely to be completely not related to sexual function or erectile function, things like uh, irritability. And a lot of the wives, a lot of the wives are going to bring them in for that. Um, irritability, disrupted sleep, joint pain, trouble concentrating, memory problems, things like that. Now, if a guy has low libido or erectile dysfunction, then he most likely is going to have some testosterone deficiency issues as well, but not always. But a lot of times they do. What evidence exists that compares bioidentical hormone replacement therapy with synthetics? I know we talked about it previously, but what evidence is there to support that comparison, one versus the other? Well, you know, there's there haven't really been commercially available combination products that like the BioT method includes because there haven't been a lot of uh, there haven't been any commercially available products that have all of the three hormones available for women so they have to be added separately but there's several studies that compare say bioidentical estrogen to to which is called 17 beta estradiol to non bioidentical estrogen and then multiple studies comparing um, bioidentical progesterone to the synthetic progestins with and without estrogen and um, so th those studies that have come out show that there's dramatically increased risk for side effects and problems with the synthetic progestins and um, so I mean uh, that's why some of the position statements in a generic form recently coming around are saying that the th therapy has to be tailored to the patient, individualized, individualized dosing, uh, individualized route of administration, because they are recognizing the difference. And that is that individualization something that happens in the normal course of conventional hormone replacement therapy? Unfortunately, no, because conventional hormone replacement therapy, a lot of the pills available are available only in, especially like the combination pills, a lot of the combination pills are only available in one or two dosages. Well, you can't tell me there's only one or two dosages that are needed. 
um, because that's that's just not how it is. Everyone processes, metabolizes things differently, and so um, and then a lot of a lot of the products only have one option. Boom. Now there's a few that have several options, but they only have one hormone in them. So it just really limits what 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 things are being improved and which which symptoms and conditions are not being improved. What are the misperceptions other than any that we've already discussed? Uh, what are the misperceptions among doctors and, and other providers about bioidentical hormones? Well, I, I think that most doctors or providers think that the term bioidentical is just a marketing term and that there's not science behind it. But I can guarantee you that any practitioner that attends a training weekend with Dr. Donovitz and with me at, at BioT, we, the, the evidence is going to blow them away. There is science. There is evidence behind it. But some of the studies that are done, they don't necessarily use the term bioidentical in the title of the of the study. So you have to you you have to be creative when you're trying to read about studies. You have to use the term estradiol and you have to use the term progesterone. And then you have to read the study and actually see what it's talking about. You can't just read the title and the summary. So, you know, the molecule, the molecules used in the studies make a huge difference. But yes, there's a lot of science behind it. So when is it inappropriate to offer hormone optimization with bioidentical hormones to one of your patients? The practitioner has to use common sense. And so for me, the patient, the, the main patients I'm going to hold off on therapy are mainly those that have some new acute onset severe condition such as newly diagnosed cancer um, or just had a heart attack or stroke or just had something major happen major surgery i mean those patients i'm going to wait until that condition has been addressed and let their medical condition calm down and make sure that they're a stable condition before i treat them and i think that's going to be you know, but that's not saying those patients can't be treated. They're those sicker patients that have more chronic disease, they can be treated as well. But once they're stable and their therapy has to be individualized, they're not going to be treated the same as a 45 year old healthy person who's never had any problems. So that's the that's the nice thing about bioidentical hormones. You tailor it to the person, their condition, their age, their status, their medical history. And you're not going to use it's not one size fits all. So that's that's what's so nice about bioidentical hormones. That makes almost too much sense, right? That it's, I mean, we're all yeah. individual. Well, exactly. so thank you, Dr. Strobel. Are there any last thoughts that you'd like to um, mention? No, I mean, I, I would just say that if, if a provider's really conflicted about it, that I completely understand that because 15 years ago, I was in the same exact position. And it's just patient after patient after patient who didn't respond to therapy. And then my my reading information over the years and deciding that I didn't think I wanted to prescribe some of these synthetic options to my patients any longer just led me to start reading and learning. And I think that, you know, when when a provider decides to learn more that uh, they're going to realize that there are so many available treatment options for their patients that their patients will thank them and they will make 
a huge impact on many people and of themselves because I feel like since my patients are happy, it makes me happy. And so I have felt practicing bioidentical hormones is, I call it happy medicine because it makes the patients happy, they're thankful, and, and when they're happy, I'm happy. Well, Dr. Strobel, thank you again for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. In our next podcast, Transform Your Patients' Lives and Your Practice with BioT Bioidentical Hormone Optimization, BioT founder and board certified OBGYN Dr. Gary Donovitz discusses the current status quo in hormone replacement therapy, bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, and what bioidentical hormone optimization is all about. If you'd like to learn more about becoming a certified BioT provider, please call 877 529 7235. Once again, the phone number 877 529 7235. Or visit www.biopossiblepodcast.com. Once again, biopossiblepodcast.com. Thanks for listening.